Where does that sort of thing come from? We talk about transformation, we talk about power of the word. Uh, you, you know, we've got two programs here, one of them Apollos, and another one is we roll out the first Sunday of every year is a Bible reading program. And I know that's hard to keep up on. Uh, sometimes I have a hard time keeping them up myself. Uh, but our, our, our goal is to encourage you to read your Bibles, to understand them. And let me tell you why this is important. Kelly and I just got back from vacation. Uh, we, we had an opportunity to take a cruise. Uh, don't get too excited. It was like the least expensive vacation we've ever taken in our lives. We got a fantastic deal. We were sitting in a show one night, and the, 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 this boat is multi-ethnic. Um, they, they told us that the shows in America are to, enter, are to tell stories, but the shows for people from other countries are to entertain. So they're doing a bunch of songs and everything, and one of the grand finales was We Are the World. Anyone remember that song? Michael Jackson and uh, Lionel Richie and Bruce Springsteen was in it and everything. And, you know, it gives everybody a chance to kind of sway back and forth and think, we are the world, we are the children, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, there's one line, and I, I remember reading a, a, an interview with Lionel Richie who said, we wanted to have something from every religion in there. Okay? So the line for Christianity, Willie Nelson sang, God bless him, and it was as Jesus showed us by turning bread, stones to bread. And so they sang that thing in, in the theater, and I heard a faint, amen. And I'm like, well, the one song about Christianity, the one line about Christianity, they got wrong. I mean, the whole deal was he didn't turn the stones to bread. Okay? And somebody in that theater, God bless them, is amening this line because they didn't know Scripture. Because they weren't familiar enough with the Bible to know that that was in itself a very small, false teaching. See, that's what Apollos is about. That's what the Bible reading on the first Sunday of every year is about, so that you know what the scriptures say. My job on Sunday morning is to help you to understand them. And I've said many times, I'm 100% responsible for everything I teach. Everything I say, there will be an accounting, not to my condemnation. God's not going to go, oh, you said this wrong, so you can't come into heaven. But for my edification and for my understanding of God's grace, you are 100% responsible for what you learn. You don't have the opportunity to stand in front of God and say, well, that's what John told me. And God, God is like, I've given you the Bible. So let, let's take a look at the power that the Word has. I'd like you to turn to Hebrews uh, chapter 4, uh, verses 12 and 13. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. And while you're turning there, let me just tell you a little bit about Hebrews. Uh, the, the primary uh, emphasis on Hebrews is the supremacy of Christ in all things. But along with that, is the power of the Word of God. Uh, and there's a very emph strong emphasis on the Word of God. And the first four chapters kind of sets all that stuff up and, uh, for our passage today. And uh, I want to talk about a little bit about why this was so important to the writer of Hebrews. We don't know who he is. Uh, we know there was some association with the, the apostles. Uh, the apostles took this book as an authoritative word of God. So here it is in our Bibles. And here's what Hebrews 4, 12, and 13 says. 
For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. It's a beautiful verse. It's stunning if you just linger on it and meditate upon it. It tells us a lot about the entirety of the Bible, about the full counsel of the Word, the Word of God. It tells us why it's so important to know and understand the Word of God. If you look at the first few phrases, I mean, this thing is just chock full of something that should impact each of us very, very heavily. Somebody, how this should influence the way we think, the way we live, uh, the way we speak, the way we relate to the people around us. And it's because right there in the first phrase, we find out that it is a living word. It is alive. There's something unique about the scriptures. There's something different about this book than any other book ever written. It is dynamic. It is breathing. It is spoken, watch this, it's spoken by the voice of God into the hearts of men. It's not dictated but it was spoken into the hearts of men and emerges from the minds of the chosen authors of the Scriptures. That alone is miraculous. That alone is supernatural. The Bible is God's Word through men, and and those words have power. Let me tell you how much power they have. They have power to grant every man and woman the things that they need the most. What do we need the most? Well, our, our, our most basic need is for salvation, but what we're all hungering for, what we're all looking for is peace. What we're looking for is rest. We want that, that sabbatical leave from the troubles of the world that, that can be such a burden upon us. Now, Luke knew this, because we kind of see echoes of this in the book of Acts. In Acts 10, uh, Peter has gone to Cornelius' house. A sheet came down. There's all sorts of weird meats in there, and Peter's afraid to eat them. And God says, what I have declared clean is going to be clean. And he immediately sends him to the house of a Gentile to share the gospel with him. So in Acts 10, 34, 35, and 36, it says, So Peter opened his mouth and said... Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, to his chosen people, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ. He's Lord of all. See, Luke saw the power of the word. He saw the power of Jesus Christ in our lives. The writer of Hebrews sees it. The one thing that we're looking for in life, the one thing that we need the most comes from surrendering ourselves to the Word. Allowing the Word to impact our hearts. Allowing the Word to change our spirits and draw us closer to God. So we surrender ourselves to the voice of God. The spoken words of God. 
And they're found right there in your Bibles. Have you thought about that? That every time you open your Bible, you're hearing the voice of God? Not just something that we do because we've got to get through our reading today. It's something that we do because our souls need that enrichment. They need that nourishment. And the fact of the matter is that we can find peace and rest in His Word. That's what salvation's all about. Rest in Him. Rest from the world. Rest from the battles we have in the world. Rest from, maybe the biggest rest we get is rest from ourselves and feeling like we've got to do it all. Feeling like the weight of the world is upon our shoulders and our decisions. Feeling like our circumstances are closing in on us. Making ourselves the center of the universe instead of our Father in heaven. See, that's, that's what the writer of Hebrews is trying to tell us. His word is powerful. It is living. It is active. And it can dynamically bring us into his rest. Now, how does the word do this? What, what gives it so much power? Well, the simple answer is it does it by changing us from the inside out, by transforming us. But the writer of Hebrews wants to make us sure how, how well we understand that, okay? Because he tells us that the Word is able to cut. It's not just alive, it is sharp. Sharper than any sword. Any two-edged sword which cuts both ways. So, i got to ask you this morning, is the Word cutting you? Is it reaching that deep down into your heart and your soul that it is changing you? It's able to pierce our souls. It's able to, to carve our spirits. Able to cut out from us those things that keep us from God's rest. It's able to excise that part of us. It's able to amputate that part of us that interferes with our relationship with God. If only we will surrender ourselves to the Word. And oddly enough, that applies to everyone. You know, I, how many times have you heard it? I've heard it. Oh, that's not my God. Yes, it is. Whether or not he's your God doesn't depend on whether or not you believe he's your God. It depends on what he says about himself. Yeah, when I die, I'm not going before him. It applies to everyone. There is no creature, there is nothing on earth that is not subject to God's scrutiny. There's nothing on earth, no creature created that does not fall to his judgment. Everything is exposed to his magnifying glass. And whether, whether we like that idea or not, whether we believe in that idea or not, one day every one of us will stand before him and give an accounting for ourselves. 
And you know what? I, I, I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know exactly. I, you know, I, my mind starts going, I don't know. And there's somebody standing there going, well, on October 14th, 1958, you did this, John. What was that about? You know, but I think what that accounting is going to be is, did you believe in my son, Jesus Christ? I mean, it's the most important question any of us will ever answer. Not everybody feels that way right now, but when we're standing on the verge of eternity, whether or not we believe in God's only Son, Jesus Christ, and His capability to die for our sins and cleanse us is the primary question. If we did, then everything else falls under grace. If we didn't, we burn. There's no argument that says, you know what, God, I don't believe in you. Because I believe God has a sense of humor. I would say, well, that's unfortunate. I believe in you. If we have pursued his word, if we have allowed his word to do its job and change us, that day of accounting is going to be a sweet time. It's going to be a blessing we're going to get the realization of the magnitude of God's grace. See, this is the beauty of God's Word, folks. It, it, it can save us. It can change us. It can transform us. It can draw us closer to Him. But even if we're students of the Word, we might ask ourselves, well, how do we know all that's true? Well, we heard what Pastor Scott read a little bit earlier. God has spoken his word, and his word is Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word, the word was in him, the word was him. Jesus Christ is God's final statement on the, the, the status of all of creation. So, Jesus Christ coming into your life as you confess your sins, as, as you repent, as you turn away from them and towards Him begins the transformation. And He's the Word. No, he, he's, not, he's not the Bible. He's not the book. This is just leather and, and, and paper. But there's something in this book that is Christ. There's something in this book that will change every one of us. There's a power to the book that goes beyond our understanding. And it'll work in this translation and every other translation you see because God has inhabited it. Jesus Christ is God's final statement. And our eternal destinies depend on whether or not we receive him or reject him. If we receive him, then the word in us grows. And it changes us. If you look at the beginning of Hebrews, in, uh, Hebrews 1, starting with verse 1, it says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Christ is fully revealed in God's word. 
The revelation of Jesus Christ is God's fullest, most perfect expression of his love towards his children. God loves us so much, brothers and sisters, he gave his only begotten son to pay for our sins, to give us eternal life. And he not only gave us his son, he gave us the Bible. He gave us the Bible so that we could learn about his son. He gave us the Bible so that when we're walking through the world and all of these influencers are coming in upon us and drawing us over here and tugging us in that direction and everything and somebody stands up and says, okay, everybody, let's hold hands down. Everybody's saying, we are the world. And Kelly and I are standing there going, we're not going to sing that line. <laughs> That's a lie straight from the pit of hell. Not because we're special people but because we read our Bibles. Our brother Larry went through a transformation as he began to look deeper into the Word. And I pray that we could all experience that transformation. But the only way it comes is by being familiar with the Word of God. For a long, long time in my life, I thought I could read books about the Word of God. I love them. I love the books about the Word of God, but they're not the Word of God. I want to be able to open up God's Word and then open up a book and judge the book by the Scripture, not the Scripture by the book. I've read too many books that tell me what to think about the Scriptures. I want to read the Scripture to tell me what to think about the book. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for your Word. Lord, I thank you for these graduates, these people that have worked so hard digging into your word, Father. And I pray that your spirit would continue to move in them, continue to mold and shape them, just as you do the rest of us, Lord. Draw us unto you. Make us a more perfect representation of who you are. Bring us to that point, Father, that the only fear that we have in us, as my brothers just shared, is the fear of the Lord, that reverential, holy perception of who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.